Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It's February 24th, 2019, episode 80. This is Tom in the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. Hey, Nick. How's it going? We got a, uh, an interesting uh, email from one of our listeners in the U.K., Wills. Interestingly, he was talking about the AFF. And I want to tell you, I was watching the game last night. It borders on the unwatchability of the fourth game of the exhibition season. The, I forget what quarterback, Hackenberg, <laughs> when I was watching at the end of the second half, was one for 10 for eight yards. That's not what Will said. You, you set Wills up like he was agreeing with you. He was disagreeing. No, no, he said that I, more football is better when no. it uh, comes to the UK. So I respect that. But yeah, when Christian Hackenberg is allowed to throw, I'm not really as interested in that. And uh, when Trent Richardson, one of the all-time busts at running back in the NFL, I think he's the leading rusher in the league. Uh, that's no good. But in other good news, Terrence Garvin watch is still on. The man had another interception. So, Will, shout out to you, man. Thanks for writing in. We actually had a couple people write in and tweet at us about the AAF. By the way, worst acronym ever. Worst name for a league ever. It's a little... uh. I don't know. It's a little touchy feely, the Alliance, but also you called it the AFF at the beginning of the, uh, at the beginning of the show. And I think this is the first time I've actually said it right. Cause last week I was saying AAFF or something like that. Yeah. That that branding could use some work, Troy, but all I know is, uh, is Terrence Garvin is tearing it up. So maybe he's going to tear his up, tear his way back to the steel men. Cause they could use some interception from linebackers. Yeah, it's quite funny. Well, well, no, no uh, slam intended there. I just uh, did take a second look at it last night, and and it's going to be tough, especially until these offensive lines get their acts together. Yeah, but we'll see. Yeah, and and thanks, Will, for writing in. That he has a good point. It is like you know, any football, any more football is better football. And then when you think about the angle um, of the UK, and you know, I'm not sure what happens over there with what time games broadcast, but obviously the time difference is huge. So it might be hard to catch football. So that's good that other people can catch it. I remember, you know, growing up, if I would see CFL on the TV, I'll leave it on there for a little while. It's better than, you know, all the other sports at this point, but, uh, more is better. Jane made a good, uh, Jane also wrote in, made a good uh, point as well, where it's more affordable to go to some of those games and, you could take your kids there. You could take the family there, which is the only angle that I can really see for it. You know, you and I went to a couple like pro lacrosse games growing up. I think I had my, my little travel team would play at halftime of some of them, but we would go to some pro lacrosse games and those aren't, 
I mean, the level of competitiveness there is incredible, the level of skill. But as far as people caring about it, there were, you know, 60 people there watching the best people in the world. But it was a cool thing for a family to do. I personally would never buy a ticket to an AAAAFF game. Uh, but it is a cool idea to see that, like, yeah, you can afford to take your family out there, like a minor league baseball game or something. And it's still a fun time to see football live. Speaking of near football, we have some more near football coming up this week in the NFL scouting combine in Indianapolis. Yeah, this is huge. So like we told you guys before, we are going to start getting more in-depth into our draft detail soon. Started working on the list, started working on corners and inside linebackers already. We will get to a point where we will start um, diving into them more formally. I think last year we did like five or six players at each key position. Um, We don't do this full time, you know, so we can't give you every single player out there in the draft. There are other good resources for that. I do suggest checking out the draft network which is uh, run by John Lendyard, uh, Steelers fan, guy used to host Locked On Steelers podcast, now hosted by Tony Serino. Uh, they have a lot of good information out there, but we are going to give you our opinions and a little bit more in-depth on who we think the Steelers should be looking at. The Combine is going to make a lot of that information more readily available, and we're going to get a clearer idea of who the Steelers are looking at and who we think they should look at. So I want to thank you for, for carrying the show last week. Good show, by the way. Uh, one of the things you were talking about is the necessity for Ben to be talking about locker room things on air. Well, did Kevin Colbert need to say everything he said this last week? Yeah, so he sort of lit a fire under an already existing garbage fire. And uh, one way you like to see Kevin Colbert stand by his QB, but basically what he said, so there's a couple different things. He talked about Antonio Brown. He talked about Le'Veon. We'll get into those. But what did he say with um, with Ben? Basically, he came out there and defended his, his uh, you know, talking about people in the media. He said, Ben is the unquestioned leader of this group. Okay, newsflash. I think we can all agree with you. The franchise quarterback's the unquestioned leader of this group. He said, it's a big burden for him. It really is. We talk about this with the other guys. It's a tremendous weight for him to carry week in and week out. This team looks to him as they should uh, as a franchise Hall of Fame quarterback. It's a huge responsibility, but we believe it is part of the responsibility of our other players to fill in the blanks and help Ben through this journey. And then he said something which really has the media up in an uproar because, of course— You know, you can't have ESPN without taking single sentences out of an interview and providing absolutely no context for them and then spinning them to support the narrative that you like to push. So the sentence in this instance was Colbert said about Ben, he's got 52 kids under him. He's the only one he can call me. You know, he can call me out. He can call the uh, teammates out. He can call me out. That's fine. And everybody now is freaking out and, and quoting unnamed sources conveniently unnamed sources that uh, some players took ire to that fact that they were called kids under Kevin Colbert. Um, I think you and I can agree. Marquise Pouncey and David Castro, Ramon Foster, Alejandro Villanueva, even Marcus Gilbert and Cam Hayward. They're not kids. I can't speak to, to any of the other players. Honestly, you have to earn your adulthood for my opinion in the Steeler world, but yeah, that basically 
You can see why people would have taken this the wrong way, though, from Colbert. He should have played a little bit more close to the vest, maybe stopped at Ben is the unquestioned leader of this group and just dance your way around some of those questions about Ben calling people out in the media. Just the way we think Ben should probably boringly dance his way around questions about whether somebody should have ran their route fully because it does more damage than good. Once again, Steelers are in the news, taking over all the news headlines, even when Robert Kraft is going to be on national trial. You got well, five minutes and now we're back to the Steelers. <laughs> sure. It's, it's a news vacuum and, and anything in a, any port in a storm, any kind of comment like that. Yeah. And a guy who's talking for a living on all these news, news press or these pressers is going to say something that you can twist. So uh, the thing that's you know, not disturbing, but Colbert came out to clarify his comments at that point, you're just, you're feeding the frenzy. I'd right. say <laughs> to get over it. We got, we got to worry about the combine this week, but there were, there were, yeah, it's funny because we get, everybody gets annoyed that players and GMs and coaches, they don't say anything in interviews. And then the Steelers actually say things in interviews for you. And then it just gets used against them. And it's funny, like Aaron Rodgers, and I'm a huge Aaron Rodgers fan. I do sincerely believe that he's the best quarterback the NFL has ever seen. We'll have some more discussions on that later in the summer, maybe bring Pete Bush back onto the podcast to talk broader NFL stuff. But Aaron Rodgers just got his head coach fired. Mike McCarthy is fired and nobody talks negatively at all about Rodgers for something like that. And honestly, I agree. He McCarthy should have been fired, but it is funny how like, you know, but, but, but he stayed quiet about it. He never said he had an issue with, with, um, with McCarthy or anything like that. And so nobody's talking about Rodgers in a negative light, which is funny in another way, because Ben hasn't said one single solitary negative thing about a B really the whole year. He said that dumb comment about AB needing to run his route flatter on the interception he threw on the one yard line against the Broncos. But even after AB went AWOL, Ben actually came out and defended him. And since then, when AB has been mounting this media campaign against Ben, clearly talking to NFL, by the way, Dave Damashek said on his podcast, basically insinuated that he has reliable sources saying that some of these former players that work on the NFL network or on ESPN, AB is talking to these guys and giving him, uh, giving them his side of the story. Ben has had all the opportunity in the world to go try and speak out against AB. He hasn't said one single solitary thing yet. Somehow it's his fault that the golden state warriors are going to win the the NBA title. And it's Ben's fault that the Penguins lost to the Flyers last night. And it's Ben's fault that the Steelers are falling apart because Antonio Brown's a grown man and he's incapable of making decisions for himself. Ben makes those for him, which is what ESPN wants us to believe. Well, I think CNN said he's responsible for the civil war in Venezuela. You know what? It adds up. It really does. I mean, he can't be calling out Venezuelans in his press conference. Did he do that? No, but we're ESPN, and we said he did, so he did. So, Okay, let me stay on this for a second. Willie McGinnis, we all hate Willie McGinnis, right? He's part of the early 2000s Patriots, linebacker for them, great player. Not a Hall of Fame player. Sorry, buddy. Big, chunky lard, not going to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Love that. Have fun with your Super Bowl rings, but no bronze bust for you, buddy. Him, uh, Harrison, the guy, uh, Rodney Harrison, 
who uh, I guess he played safety, but all I remember him for is getting mossed by David Tyree in the Super Bowl. That's what I remember Rodney Harrison for, number 37. The guy, uh, you can find him in any ancient NFL clips of that great play when David Tyree for the Giants pinned the ball against his helmet with a puny little idiot, number 37, trying to take the ball away from them. That's Rodney Harrison. So those guys are classically hugely biased NFL reporters. They clearly don't study film. They just get up there and they're famous, great players who won Super Bowls. So they just sort of rest on those laurels. There's no Tony Romo about them. There's no Ryan Clark. There's no extra insight. And he went on and told people, you know, he's spinning the, this is all Ben's fault narrative, which is hilarious. But, uh, and he also said something like Ben didn't even win those first two Super Bowls. The defense won those two Super Bowls. And I shouldn't even address this, but what are we doing unless we're talking about the conversation of football? This is the whole reason we do this. So I am going to address that. That is the dumbest thing I have ever heard. So if if Ben, if the defense carried Ben to the first two Super Bowls, well, Tom Brady got carried by the defense for four of his Super Bowls. The guy had 140 yards passing in the first Super Bowl. You were on that defense. And you come out here and you constantly say, Tom Brady's the best quarterback ever. Why? Because he has six Super Bowls. Okay, well, the defense won four of them. No, they didn't. Okay, well, Ben's got two Super Bowls. He must be pretty good. No, the defense won those. Okay, buddy. Please fire this man. Stop hiring former players who won't analyze anything. They're boring. They're bad for TV. Stick to the good guys like Ryan Clark, David Carr, people who have opinions on things. Stupid misconception. And people are just, you know, The media does not like Ben Roethlisberger. We know this. Ben Roethlisberger is not 100% innocent in all this. He needs to improve his leadership style. But to blame this whole Le'Veon and AB leaving and the Steelers being in the news on him is just, it's just ludicrous. And it is going out of control right now. So Colbert did give us a little clarity on a couple of, a couple of items. Most interestingly, uh, I think the Le'Veon question has been resolved. Forever and ever. Amen. Yeah, they said they're not going to place the transition tag on him. For anybody who doesn't understand the situation with Le'Veon, there is a rumor that the a heavy um, rumor, which I never really bought into, but there was a word on the street saying that the Steelers were going to place the transition tag on Le'Veon Bell. The transition tag is a little bit different than the franchise tag. The franchise tag, you get to place it on the player. You have to pay him like a top five uh, paid player at his position um and he doesn't get to negotiate with other teams he has to stay on your team that's how the Steelers sort of trapped Le'Veon Bell on the Steelers for the last few years legally trapped him but that's essentially what you're doing you're blocking him from negotiating with other teams the transition tag allows the player to negotiate with other teams and if somebody makes him an offer it allows the Steelers to um, match that offer and if they match the offer they get to keep them So the rumor was they were going to put the transition tag on him, match whatever offer came in for him and get him on this, get his rights to the Steelers. Then they were going to try to trade him so they could actually get better value for the guy instead of if they just lose him and free agency to another team, they would only get probably a third round compensatory pick after the 2020 draft, so they don't get an extra pick in this draft, they were trying to get some value right now out of him. Also, compensatory picks, the amount you get depend on how many free agents you bring in. 
And the rumor is the Steelers are planning on bringing in a lot of free agents this year. So even if they lost Le'Veon, they might have not gotten – they might not end up getting anything for him. Just the only thing is uh, I, I think it was a good idea to not place the transition tag on him because that's just a lot of moving parts. Like you got to wait for an offer. You got to sign him. Then you got to find a trade partner. Just let's wash your hands and be done with it. Move on with Connor and uh, don't get cute. We'll see if they get a compensatory pick or not in 2020. Well, one of the problems with that um, with that transition tag is it technically would have been a violation of the NFLPA because the agreement because you have you are supposed to apply that tag with a good faith effort to retain the player, not to retain him so you can trade him later. So uh, I'm with you. It'll be interesting though to see what kind of money Le'Veon gets when you just look around at the at, at running back production. Who's gonna Who's gonna want to take? What, what's he looking for? He's looking for fifty million guaranteed. Yeah, and if, yeah, something like that. It's unfathomable, and, and it'll be. It, this will be an interesting story to see if he has to walk back anything as far as you know uh, his claims to value. Right. I don't think he'd have to walk it back too far. I do think he's going to get a lot of money. It is interesting to see all the people that got paid in the interim while Le'Veon was holding out. Todd Gurley. I mean, the mystery of Todd Gurley in the playoffs and then in the Super Bowl. I don't know if we'll ever understand it fully. Was Sean um, McVay having a brain aneurysm and just didn't want to play him? Was he actually injured? To be honest with you, when he was in there in the Super Bowl, Todd Gurley, he looked healthy to me. He looked like he was making decent cuts, and I didn't think that he was in there looking debilitated. Uh, They just didn't give him the ball very much. So I don't know what happened with him, but they just paid him a ton of money, and he was completely worthless in the playoffs, and they plugged in the chunkster from the road, (laughs) as Damashek, to shout out Damashek again, because... They went and they signed the fat guy and they gave the ball to him 20 times a game, CJ Anderson. And he did pretty great throughout the playoffs for them. Another argument to not pay the running back. Who else? Um, 24, Devonta Freeman for the Falcons. He hasn't, you know, produced uh, very much since he's gotten paid. LaShawn McCoy. And then once again, we have all these guys all over the league who are performing great on these rookie contracts, mid-round guys like a James Conner. Um Plenty of other guys to, to pick from in that in that in that standpoint. But so does that hurt Le'Veon's value? Yeah, probably. And honestly, I do think that someone's just gonna pay him the money. I mean, there's always some team out there, some version of the Browns or the Raiders or whoever's the perennial dirtbag of the NFL. Somebody'll pay him at least to get butts in seats. But I don't think he's gonna break the bank in this miraculous way. And at the end of the day, it might look like, Hey, it might've been better for you just to stay in Pittsburgh the whole time. Cause you barely got more than, you know, you would have gotten if you had just signed the long-term deal with uh, the Steelers. So we'll see. So uh, when we're talking about other players who may not be worth as much as uh, and hurting their value, let's look at what Kevin Colbert said about Antonio Brown. He said, he's not going to be, he'll be traded, but not at a discount. No discount the trade value. Yeah, that was music to my ears. I mean, this could just be gamesmanship. Obviously, the Steelers are not going to get value for Antonio Brown. I mean, value for Antonio Brown is two first-round picks. If Amari Cooper got a first-round pick last year from the Cowboys, this is one of the best 
probably five receivers in the history of the game of football still in his prime. I have said repeatedly, I think Antonio is going to remain in his prime even for the next couple of years. You're not going to actually get the real value for Antonio Brown. Value for Antonio Brown is two first round picks. Amari Cooper commanded a first round pick from the Dallas Cowboys last year. And then we saw Khalil Mack get two first round picks obviously, to join the Bears. Antonio Brown, one of the best five receivers probably of all time. And the guy is still in his prime. And I've said this a number of times, and I maintain that I do believe he's going to remain in his prime for the next couple of years because he takes care of his body so well and his game isn't built on speed. It's built on precision. So are you going to get two first-round picks for him? No way in hell. Are you going to get a first-round pick for him? That it would probably be, it would probably be a miracle because – the Steelers have no leverage. They've already came out and admitted when uh, Art Rooney II took that picture with AB on his Instagram. They've admitted we've agreed to part ways. That means you lose leverage. Now, the funny thing about that picture is I actually think that it was uh, a good idea from the Steelers and Rooney to put, it out, put out that picture. It sort of just makes it seem like they're still in control. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'll take the picture with you. We're going to deal you. And then our GM is going to come out the next week and say, we're not taking a discount and we're not allowing Antonio and his, and his agent to make any of the negotiations. So I think that actually gave you a little bit more leverage. But at the end of the day, everybody knows AB is trying to get out of Pittsburgh. The initial reports are saying three teams have already touched base with the Steelers already. That's not a lot, man. So it sounds like the, the, the number of bidders isn't going to be enormously high. So we know that brings down the value as well. If the Steelers could get a second-round pick for him, I'd be thrilled. You know, someone who I'm really keeping my eyes on is the, the 49ers or the Arizona Cardinals. 49ers, obviously, the team that A.B. wants to go to. I know a lot of Steelers fans might be angry about that because we don't want to see A.B. get his way after all this. But honestly, it might be the best case scenario for the Steelers, because if you get a second round pick from the Niners or the Cardinals, that's essentially an end of the first round pick. It's so high in the second round. And that's kind of where I think as good of the value is like what you could get. I sort of think that's the top of the charts there, because, like I said, you don't have enough leverage to really get his true value. And in addition to that, both of those teams are in the NFC which the Steelers want to trade him out of the AFC. They're both on the other side of the country. And then for my money, they both uh, kind of suck. So maybe he would see that the grass isn't greener, even though I've said repeatedly that I do think Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco could get him the ball a lot. But those are two ones to keep their eye on. And then the big extra player that just joined the game is the Oakland Raiders. They have, I think, three first-round picks or something like that. And Gruden said that he's open to trading any of those first-round picks, and they're always desperate. We got a third from Artavis Bryant out of them, so maybe they'd be willing to part ways with one of those end-of-the-round um, type picks for Antonio because they could they desperately need playmakers. They got nobody. So uh, I don't know if this Kevin Colbert thing was the latest trigger that uh, to start the national bend bashing extravaganza that was this week. Yeah, I guess we sort I, I sort of jumped the gun on that way. I thought we had buried the lead a little with the AB thing. So when I got rolling on Ben, I, I was talking more about that. But yeah, just not to beat a dead horse here. It's just just ridiculous. The, the, the national bashing of Ben. And there are some former Steelers podcast 
podcast hosts who are coming out of there and trying to talk crap about Pittsburgh media, asking why is Pittsburgh media defending Ben so staunchly? Why why are you defending him to the ends of the earth? Well, it's because the media is not representing accurately what the issue is. Ben has a fault in this. So does Antonio Brown. So does Tomlin. So do the Rooney. So does Colbert. So does everybody. The media is painting it like people are leaving because Ben is this tyrant and then Colbert's uh, um, comments sort of packing him up a little bit too hard exacerbated that. But I saw a really dumb quote in the ringer or some site like that um, saying basically the Steelers are making a huge mistake here choosing Ben over AB. That that has never been the case. The Steelers aren't choosing AB or choosing Ben over anyone. AB is leaving because AB has decided to leave. There's nothing that they can do about that. The Steelers are in no way deciding to side with AB or, or like they said, deciding to jettison AB. The man is forcing his way out. And like we said before, I know he has a problem with Ben. I know he has a problem with Tomlin for making him look like the bad guy he was during that last week. But we also know that there's other um, – mystery motives that he hasn't talked about. Like what we all highly expect is his desire to make more guaranteed money and his anger that he's not going to get his 120 catches a year now with another receiver like Juju in there. So this has never been a Ben versus AB thing. That is a fraction of the issue. But the media is painting this story almost exclusively like a Ben versus AB thing. So that's why I'm glad a lot of Pittsburgh media is coming out there and defending him. And we try to be realistic. Like, I'll tell you guys, I'm the biggest Ben fan that there is. But we tell you when he's doing something wrong. If we didn't tell you when he was doing things wrong, our opinion wouldn't carry weight when he's doing things right. And he needs to improve his leadership. But this is ridiculous that he's getting raked over the coal like this, although totally predictable. Mike Pursuta is a beat writer for the Steelers. And I, I like his quote because his, his uh, observation is what we've always seen in these Ben interviews. He said, this thing is spinning out of control. A lot of people are way off base on Ben's accountability. I've been at almost every press conference. He goes out of his way to be accountable and take the blame even when it's not his fault. And you know what? That is true 99% of the time. So we have we have taken one or a, a couple of, uh, I guess, his radio pronouncements and, and uh, extrapolated that into Ben just calling people out. So Prasuda is calling it as a seed. That, that's what I always say. I, I'm more bored by Ben's interviews than anything. Yeah, well, another part of this is you got to think that A.B. is trying to hide his real biggest motivations for leaving, which I really do think are, is greed. And it's he wants all the attention, he wants all the catches, and he wants more money. He came out last week and said in a very eloquent interview that he conducted for himself while sweating on an elliptical that he wants more guarantees, which – we said we understood that in Le'Veon's case, but it's a little bit ridiculous with AB because they've paid him every dollar that they've promised him, and they even gave him advances before other seasons. But he has other reasons that are more damning of him leaving, and I think he's using the Ben thing because he realizes people are picking up on this and saying, "And like, oh, okay, well, I do have a problem with Ben, but the media can, I can really, um, what's that? Like, slide a hand them here and and just and pin this all on him when he's got other problems there. So." It's just it's um, it's so one sided. And that's what makes that's why we started a podcast. We wanted to give people more depth and both sides of every story instead of uh, politicizing an agenda that's maybe going to make it simpler for viewers to digest, even though there's not much substance behind it. And they don't get held uh, accountable for some of these opinions, which are so clearly um, 
just painted with such a broad brush. So we we got some more information, some good news. I think we solidified the D-line with the signing this week. I was so happy when I read that the Steelers re-signed Tyson Alulu to a two-year deal. And then on top of that, he came out and basically said a quote that at this point in, in my career, I want to win a Super Bowl. And I think Pittsburgh gives me the best chance to do that. This guy knows media. He comes swooping in when these two legendary relatively greedy Steelers and Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown are leaving the Steelers franchise is a bit of an embarrassment right now. And this guy says, I'm staying with the Steelers because this team's going to win the Super Bowl. That was a genius move. But honestly, signing him was an enormous deal. I think the Steelers are in a really interesting position. It's unfortunate that they're not going to get the $20 million in relief and uh, cap relief from AB leaving. It's unfortunate that they're not going to get it this year, but they have a lot of holes. Okay. And I think that some Steelers fans are underselling the amount of holes that the Steelers have, but I think that they're in the position during this offseason to fill a lot of those holes. They're not going to be able to fill all of them, but the big ones we already know inside linebacker and corner are, are very dangerous in their lack of depth. And I know we love Vince Williams and I know we love Joe Hayden, but those guys aren't, neither one of those are, are star players either. And and then their counterparts are liabilities, you know, no offense to Cody Sensabaugh, but he's a high end backup type player. Um, the safeties, we know who's probably starting, although I, I think I actually might disagree with this, but you know, Sean Davis, did he play better at safety last year? Yes, but he is legitimately allergic to making plays. You don't just learn that halfway through your career. That's not going to happen in Edmonds. We don't really know what we have with him yet, right? We got to hold out judgment because he had a rookie year. But listen, the guy was overdrafted, and we're counting on him to be a, a stud safety in his second year. That's still a question mark. Defensive line and offensive line. Those are two things that we know are strengths. And I've been saying all offseason that I really want the Steelers to re-sign the whole offensive line because your offensive line is only as strong as the depth goes. Because we see every year that if you get lucky, you you don't have any major injuries, but you're going to surely have small injuries where people, one or two guys, are going to have to miss games at a time. So if you keep that depth then you can always protect Ben. You can always run the football and stuff like that. We know the Steelers' defensive line of Hayward, Tewitt, and Hargrave is very solid, but they have very little depth behind them, and there were rumors saying that Alu was not going to stay with the Steelers. Well, when they re-signed him, you re-signed um, just a critical player because out of all the positions on a football team, defensive line is the one that needs the most depth. Tewitt and Hayward have historically played a higher percentage of the snaps than any other two defensive linemen for any other NFL team. So this was a big, uh, this was a big deal. I expect the Steelers to get more depth in the draft and or free agency. It, honestly, low key signing, but a very big deal in my opinion. Solidify a strength. Well, they were, we're talking about the, the depth on the offensive line. I, I know that uh, some people have written off Ramon Foster, but that depth goes too deep. I mean, once once Foster leaves and you've got to bring up Finney and then you have um, Filer, I mean, your depth, I don't know what will happen to right. Gerald Hawkins. He seems to be kind of our Senquez golden of the well, offensive well, he's line. Well, he's a tackle. Hawkins is a tackle. It would be hard to remember that because he never goes on the field. But you're right. Like, uh, that's my whole thing is if you lose Foster, then Finney's up there. But what mm -hmm. happens if Finney's gone? I mean, what a luxury to have Finney. 
as a second guy, sort of like when they had Ligurski for all those years. You know, you knew you had a, a reliable guy who could probably start for some other teams as your backup. So some of the, the big guys who, who fall into this category are Chicolo, Cody Sensabaugh, LJ Fort, maybe competing for a starting job type of guy, LJ Fort, and then Ramon Foster. And Jesse James, a report just came out saying that the Bills and the Jaguars are interested in Jesse James. Honestly, man, I expect that he he would sign with one of those guys if he gets the opportunity to start. He expressed the desire to remain a starter, to be a starter. He feels like he earned his way as a starter in this league. He expressed that desire once the season wrapped up. He knows Vance McDonald is the is the de facto starter for the Steelers. So I think he has his eyes set on somewhere else. That would be an unfortunate loss for sure for the Steelmen. But uh, I did think Xavier Grimble did come along a little bit better when he wasn't fumbling the ball out of the back of the end zone as the year went on. So we'll see about him. But Sensabaugh, that that will be a big resigning for me as well. Maybe somebody's going to have some interest in him because he did start for a long time for the Steelers. But it will be great to draft a corner or get a corner in free agency or trade for a corner. And then have Sensabaugh be the first guy that goes in for you instead of, you know, an Artie Burns or something like that. Chicolo, you know, he's the – hopefully you have a Denier and Chicolo still in the mix because you want some depth. They only went with three outside linebackers for the whole of last season. Four, I got to expect the Steelers are going to keep him. I think he might be in the mix for a starting position. And then Foster, like you said, is the question mark. So those are some of the next guys we got to keep our eyes on in free agency. It looks like – Chris Boswell is going to get his uh, he's going to get his bonus, but he is going to be uh, set up against some competition this year. Yeah, a bunch of veteran kickers have just been released. I think, you know, Matt Bryant from the Falcons, he was released. Uh, He's been a great kicker for them. I don't remember what the name is. Cody Parkey from the Bears. He had a rough season, but he's a good kicker. So there's going to be some kickers on on the market. I don't know if the Steelers are going to bring in one of those bigger money kickers like those guys proven dudes to, to compete with boswell if they're already paying him as well i don't really know what they're going to do with that or if they're just going to bring someone random but i don't know it's hard for me to say how i feel about this because when i was mentioning some of the other weaknesses on the steelers we know the obvious ones uh cornerback inside linebacker wide receiver once a b leaves is very questionable but kicker is one of the biggest ones of all I mean, the Steelers would be in the playoffs last year if Chris Boswell even was an average kicker, even if he was mediocre. Instead, he was the worst kicker in the whole league, and they lost a couple games by three where he missed chip shot field goals. If not one, then maybe two in the same game. I don't know if kickers can regain their confidence in the same building. I mean, Sean Swisham missed critical kicks for the Cowboys and the Redskins before he got to Steelers and he became nails there. But I just think that even if Boswell does well and he goes for broke in the preseason, like a Nick Foles situation, a Kyle Orton, you know, those backup quarterbacks who come in, Ryan Fitzpatrick, they chuck it deep because they got nothing to lose. Maybe he'll do that in the offseason. But man, he just it's going to be hard to erase the history of, of, of what happened this year. And the Steelers know that they have this in him. He has this in him, the ability to suck, even though he obviously, well, you know, when is it going to rear its head? <clears throat> sure. It's, it's interesting. They're going to, they're getting the $2 million um, roster bonus. So they're not, they haven't written them off. And I, I agree with you. It's going to be white knuckle time. Every time he gets out on the field to line up, even every on extra time. points. Yeah. Even if he plays well during the season, you don't know when's he going to crack. I mean, imagine if that were you, you know, like, you let these guys down before. They've seen you like that. It might be better just for a fresh start. But, 
you know, I commend Kevin Colbert for for taking a chance at something like that because he was when he was good when he first got to the Steelers, he was absolutely unbelievable. We were talking him about him as a team MVP. So um, I, I get where they're coming from, but I don't know. I, I I'm a little bit nervous about it. So Artie Burns has to find his confidence," said Colbert. He said no. uh, something we <laughs> talked to him about. He's got to refine refine it. Refine. Yeah. He's it's not going to, work. he's the, I, I would cut him on sincerely. I think that's done. There's no more. We don't need any, yeah. uh, we've got to end step it back. You know, you need, he need confidence. If you want to play quarterback or cornerback, excuse me, you need confidence as a corner. We all know that you also need confidence when you're betting on games, football games in particular. And we're always confident when we're going with my bookie. Because my bookie offers betters in all major markets and entertaining lineup of gaming options. They let you do prop bets. They let you do fantasy bets. They have a great mobile site for you, you degenerates on the go like me. Get out there, make it happen. Get on your jet ski. Bet on Cody Parkey. Is he going to miss any field goals for a team this year? What about Chris Boswell? I don't know. You tell me. Is Ben going to be blamed for the decline of Tom Brady's body? It's, it's obviously his fault. He put something in his food. It's got to be Ben's fault, right? And uh, you can do all that with my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. You play, you win, you get paid. So the big bet is will Robert Kraft be convicted of the misdemeanor of human trafficking? Yeah, that's not good, right? So I guess it's not good. I guess he solicited a brothel in Florida, and uh, no, I gotta no, go no, here. No. I gotta go it's here in a, a second. Spa. All right, oh, it's, it's a spa. spa. Well, just they, real quick. Here, yeah, I, the, the, the key is seventy-seven-year-old man. All right, and he's got a thirty-seven-year-old girlfriend. I, I don't know what to make this. More to follow. It's a little shot and forward for the Steelers. It is. It is funny though that ESPN really only did a minute on this, and then I go back to I go to the gym to work out that day when ESPN's on all the TVs, and they're already back onto Ben freaking Roethlisberger. When this guy, the owner of the most successful team in the history of the NFL, I get it that you have to wait to see if he's guilty or not, but right now where the evidence is at is it's looking overwhelming. The report is that Robert Kraft is by no means the most famous person involved in this who has supported this human trafficking brothel, essentially, where girls are forced to perform sexual acts on something like 1,500 men per year in this um, small spa, whatever you want to call it. Um, And they immediately go back to Ben Roethlisberger here. So obviously this is a nightmare we can we can hope that there's some sort of positivity in here. The fact that this stuff is getting cracked down on in Florida, you know, you hear about human trafficking uh, very heavily in Europe and in other continents, but the truth is, it happens a ton in the United States, particularly in the South and cities near the water, like uh, Houston and in in Florida. I forget which uh, town it was exactly. I'm blanking Mercury or something like that. But uh, yeah, nightmare for Robert Kraft. Uh, I guess the owner for the Panthers was involved in controversy last year. He had to sell the team. I am sure Robert Kraft's not going to do that. You just can't help but feeling like he's going to get away with something. But we do have to reserve judgment until we see what actually happened. His camp categorically denies him having any involvement with this. But the police say they have video evidence. So. Go Sam!
we got to get out of here, but we would love to get your feedback this week. Check us out on Instagram at Steelers Outpost. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Leave us a note on the website, SteelersOutpost.com, or send us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Until next week, thanks for listening. Go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence.